Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go ahead and check out EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our new baseball and fantasy baseball content will be posted throughout this offseason. If you're somebody who's interested in coming aboard, writing, podcasting, blurbing, doing something in the sports, fantasy sports world, please reach out to either myself or at Dan Bespris. Dan, specifically for more of the other sports, basketball, football, hockey, uh, reach out to me if it's on the baseball side and listen to the show. I assume that you guys will be interested in baseball. We're going to pick up where we kind of left off with our positional rankings. We did catcher first, second, and third. Then I did my my top 50 for next season, the very early top 50 that is going to change likely a lot of it. But I wanted to put it down, and then I wanted to talk about it over a few shows. So we paused the positional review. We're going to pick that up again today. And we're going to be talking today about the elite names. That's kind of the way these shows have gone. Uh, Aside from catcher, which only had two shows because it's not really the deepest position, every show we've done three or every position we've done three, the elite tier, the kind of middle round guys, and then some of your late round kind of sleeper names. So today, we're going to be talking about the elite shortstops of 2022. We're going to be looking back where they were being drafted before the season. I'm going to talk a little bit about where I expect them to go last year. And with a lot of these guys, we're going to mention today, I think most of them, uh, they are guys that I did have ranked going into next season already. So we're going to talk maybe a little bit about that, where I think my ranking will maybe defer from ADP a little bit. And we're going to get started off here with the cream of the crop, and that's going to be Trey Turner. He was number one in my rankings. He was the number five overall fantasy player this season, and he's got to be the safest pick going into drafts next year. I really believe that. Even if he leaves the Dodgers, maybe he does go somewhere else. I think he's from the east eastern part of the United States. I'm not exactly sure where. But I've had I've heard a couple of rumors talking about, I mean, they've been on Twitter, that he might want to go back towards the East Coast. So maybe he leaves the Dodgers. I don't think he's going to go into a poor lineup and, you know, go to some restart team. He's not going to go play for, I don't know, bad example, but a team like the Nationals, he's not going to go back to that kind of roster. Um, it's just not, I don't, I don't think anyway, I'd be very surprised. I think he's going to want to continue the successful run of his career, winning a World Series. The Nationals kind of stunk there for a year or two after they won the World Series, and now he's in Los Angeles after tasting 100 and whatever it was, 112 wins. I doubt he's going to go to a 50-70 win team, whatever it'll be. I think he'll go to another contender. So I don't think that we're going to see much of a drop-off with the counting stats. The home runs, the stolen bases should be pretty safe. I think at the lowest, he's going to be still a top three pick next season. Anybody picking him outside of that range is going to be getting a really nice deal at a Trey Turner. He's a guy who is going to be a top five fantasy player regardless of outcome and or regardless of of where he lands. And he's got probably the highest floor 
of pretty much anybody. Even losing the second base position for me, some people will want to push him down a little bit. Shortstop is more of a crowded position than second base, and that really did add something, another whole level to his value, having second base as well. But I'm not going to push him down just on that front. I think if you want to wait on shortstop, you can certainly do so, and there's going to be some great options we talk about over the next couple of days. But if you get Trey Turner in the first round, uh, you should be very, very happy with yourself there. And I should mention, although you guys probably already remember this or are aware of this, that he was pretty much the consensus number one pick going into 2022. Uh, on the NFBC, his ADP was 1.5. On Yahoo, 1.6. Uh, some, some people may have gone with Bobachette or whoever, Jose Ramirez. There was a couple other people, Juan Soto, Vlad Guerrero. Uh, but I think for the most part, it was, it was Trey Turner here. The next guy we're going to talk about is Francisco Lindor, and I am just going here, uh, going from the top of the Yahoo shortstop value down to, well, we're not going to go to the bottom, but we're starting from the top and working our way down. Trey Turner was the first one. He was the fifth-ranked player for the season, and Francisco Lindor, he's the second-ranked shortstop, according to Yahoo, and the 13th-ranked player as a whole. He was incredible, Francisco Lindor. You did get him at a discount this season. We've talked about this, and I'm not going to make this the longest show today, this, uh, this elite tier. Uh, we've already talked about a lot of these guys over these last few days, and I don't want to get too, too repetitive. But at the same time, I do want to touch on them specifically. Maybe you do want to come back later on and look at these specific shows for shortstop. You don't want to just have to go through the ranking shows and find specific guys. So we're still going to talk about it, but I don't think we need to go into such uh, such depth, especially because we've just, we've just gone into it recently, right? So Francisco Lindor was the 50th pick, 50.8 over on the NFBC and over on Yahoo, he was, where was he, 41. So he was he was a discount regardless of where you got him finishing his 13 there. Now, we're not getting that discount going into next season. We've already talked about this. I have him ranked as 22. I think he'll go somewhere in the middle of that second round. I don't, I mean, he could finish as a first-round player again. I wouldn't draft him there. I think there are some guys who I'd still put above him, obviously. If you guys haven't seen those rankings, go check them out on Twitter at sportsethos.com. Uh, there's some guys who I do have ahead of him. But in terms of the shortstops, uh, he's going to be a very, very safe pick there out in New York. The next guy is somebody we didn't talk about that much, so we'll get into a little bit more depth with him. Uh, it's Dansby Swanson. He, I mean, I'm not going to say he came out of nowhere, but having a first-round season for him was, was kind of out of nowhere. I mean, we weren't expecting anything close to what he did, um, especially the stolen bases, 18 steals. I mean, the runs, every, everything really, the home runs were kind of in line with what we knew he, would, he could do. Uh, 25 home runs, 27 last year. Uh, we can, we know he can do something along those lines, but he scored 99 runs. He drove in 96, 18 stolen bases, and he batted 277. He was the 14th ranked player uh, a year ago. He was outside of the top 100 or at the later part of the top 100. So this was kind of a shock uh, for Dansby Swanson where he was being drafted this season uh, over on Yahoo. It was 122. And on the NFBC, let's see, the page needed to refresh there, 120. So people weren't really expecting this kind of season from him. I wouldn't really expect it again going into next year, not to these heights exactly. I want to see where he lands. If he goes to another team, we'll have to reevaluate here. If he stays in Atlanta, I'd be pretty confident projecting his value, specifically if he's still batting atop of that order, which I figure he probably would be. I've talked a lot about Michael Harris moving up to the top of that lineup which is something I would really like, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Plus, we're going to have Ozzy Albies coming back, so we're going to maybe complicate things a little bit at the top of that order if he does come back. But I think they like him in that 1-2 spot, and he did a really good job there this season. So I think he probably sticks. Assuming he does come back, he sticks in the top of that Atlanta order. 
These counting stats can likely stay. The home runs can likely stay. Maybe we don't see 18 steals from him again, but I think we can still see something kind of similar to this as a whole. I think it won't be the same heights, but can he still give you, you know, 90 runs, 20, 25 homers, you know, 80 to 90 RBIs, and then a 250, 260 batting average? He can still have a lot of value. I think he can do something like that. Now, we're not taking him at 14. Uh, I haven't put down my – I haven't started going at those second half of the top 100 of my rankings. But I think that he's probably going to be somewhere in like the 70, 80 kind of range. Uh, not that I don't like him, but I think that there is a lot safer picks ahead of him here, specifically at shortstop. If you're going to reach for a shortstop, then I, it wouldn't be Dansby Swanson. It would be definitely one of these other guys that we've already talked about or are going to talk about. And I'm not sure where people are going to to be drafting him. I'm not sure where he's going to eventually fall in there. Maybe it's going to be somewhere in round six or seven, which would be kind of reasonable, somewhere in that range, seven, eight. If he starts getting pushed up into round three, four, even five, I'm going to be a little bit worried there, taking him inside the top 50, top 60. I think that it's possible he returns that value but there's a lot safer options here. We're talking about what is likely the deepest position in all of fantasy here. It's it's probably, I mean, if you want to factor in, I'll talk about outfield, maybe, but it's we're talking outfield's three positions, really, so it's kind of unfair to say, I mean, technically, yes, it is deeper, but I think shortstop is right. I mean, it's right up there. So you don't need to be really reaching unless you're going to go for one of these elite, elite guys. And another guy who I think is in that elite category still is Bo Bichette. And I know that it was a bit of a tough go this year for him. He wasn't his best self for a lot of the season. September really saved his overall value. 91 runs, 93 ribbies. Uh, he still was the American League leader in hits, which I thought was incredible. It was I would be sure. I mean, I'm a Blue Jays fan. I watch, I've watched, I don't know, 145, 150 Blue Jays games this year. Pretty much every season, that's about the number 145, 150. I would not have thought that Bo Bichette would have led the league in hits. Not even, I wouldn't have thought he would have even been close, but that shows you how hot he got at the end of the season. Uh, a lot of two for fours, three for fours, four for four kind of nights. So, he got that number back up. He killed any discount. We've talked about this. It's been talked about as an industry, as a community quite a bit, that the discount that was probably going to be there for Bo, it's no, it's no longer going to be a thing. I mean, still maybe a touch of a discount. He's going to be going, I think, end of the first, beginning of the second, maybe in some drafts. Uh, in that 12 to 15 kind of range, I think, is where he'll probably slot in. And last year, he was going, like, top five. So I guess technically, sure, it's a bit of a discount. But he, he pretty much killed that. He pretty much killed that with how good he was down the stretch here. Total confidence drafted him anywhere in the end of the first round kind of range. If you can get him as your second round pick, uh, I'm going to be very, very happy. Now, going into this season, um, he was five on the NFBC, or I'll be specific, 5.04, well, 5 I guess it's, it's five, uh, and 5.1 over on Yahoo. He was one of those guys who was a top a consensus top five pick. Some people, I mean, I don't think it would have been many people, but there might have been a few drafts where he did go first overall. Uh, I don't think, and that wouldn't have been the craziest thing going into this season. Now, and at this time, it seems pretty insane to think it, but you could have made a reasonable argument for Bo to go number one this season, and he would have got some pushback probably, but it wouldn't have been the craziest idea in the world. There are a couple guys who come right after Bo on this list who we've already talked about on other position shows. Marcus Semien, we focused on him in our second base show. 
Now, he's going to still keep shortstop eligibility over on Yahoo and ESPN and those sites, but I think NFBC needs 20 appearances. He's only got 17 as short, so I don't believe he's going to carry that one over on that site to start the season. Maybe he gets it throughout the year. It's possible, but I think he's going to just start the year off as a second baseman. Bobby Witt Jr., we talked about over on the third base show. Now, he pretty much, I think he was more, yeah, he 98 times at short, 55 over at third. We put him in the third base show because it's a little bit less crowded uh, in terms of the third baseman to talk about. So we talked about him there. He's another guy I feel very confident about. I think he'll be a late second round guy next season. And Marcus Simeon somewhere late third, early fourth. I have Bobby Witt at 19 in my rankings and Simeon at 39. Still feel very comfortable drafting both of them. And Witt will have both positions over on NFBC, wherever you're playing. So that, a little bit of an, excuse me, guys, a little bit of an added bonus there uh, with Bobby Witt. But the next guy we're going to talk about in terms of our shortstops is Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond is also kind of a split position guy, but I think it makes, I think it makes a decent amount of sense to talk about him here. He was 89 times at second, eight times at third, 80 times at short, and then he was three times in the outfield. We'll stick him in here in our shortstop show. Tommy Edmond, I know there were some ups and downs this season, but he was really good. He's somebody that I was pretty heavily invested in going into the drafts this season. Uh, 117th pick over on Yahoo, which it seemed like a bargain at the time, and it did turn out to be a bargain, so pretty happy about how that turned out. Uh, over on the NFBC, and the NFBC page sometimes will reload when I, when I pop into it here. He was going at 90 in NFBC drafts. So wherever you got him, he was still a great value. Uh, he finished at 55 on the Yahoo algorithm ranking, 95 runs, 13 homers, 57 ribbies, 32 steals, and a 265 batting average. That's pretty much, I think, what we can expect in this range from him, two consecutive seasons of doing this kind of thing. And he actually did it in 70 fewer at-bats this season. He had a couple more runs, a couple more homers, a couple more steals. I'd like him to just be the leadoff hitter in St. Louis. I'm Tired of him moving up and down the lineup, which is something we saw this year, and I think we'd seen a little bit in years past. I just leave him as the leadoff hitter, one or two in the lineup. That's something that I, I mean, we can't rely on it heading into the year when we draft him. That we'll move him around a little bit, but I, I'd like to have that knowledge when you draft a guy that he's going to be the leadoff hitter, barring you know a horrid slump or something, which he didn't have. Not really, anyway. There were ups and downs, but barring a horrible slump, that the guy's just going to stay there. And with Tommy Edmond. Something that worries me a little bit, but I think as a whole, you're still getting five category production, four and a half, I guess. I mean, it depends how you want to classify a 260 batting average nowadays, which is kind of a plus batting average because I think the the league-wide was 240. Correct me if I'm wrong there, guys. 240-something this season. It was not really uh, not a high standard, I guess, uh, what we're seeing for batting average these days. So 265, if he's somewhere in that range, I think you'll probably take it, especially with 30 steals, 10 to 15 homers, call it, you know, 85, 90 runs, and then 55 or so driven in. I think you'll be pretty happy with Tommy Edmond there. He was not somebody I put in the top 50, but he's not too far outside of it either. I think that he'll probably fall in the 60, 70 kind of range for me this season, coming into next season anyway. And I think that'll probably make sense for him there. In terms of Edmond's eligibility, Second and short are obviously safe, 89 and 80 times there. He was pretty close to getting third. He didn't end up getting it, and I don't think he'll have it heading into next season. He only played there eight times. I think it would have had to have been like going into next season. I think 10 would have been the limit over on Yahoo and those sites, and then 20 is what I believe it is over on the NFBC. So he's not going to have that either. 
Something that does kind of stink a little bit here is that he's not going to keep outfield eligibility. He only played in the outfield three times this season after it was 41 times in 2021, 13, or excuse me, 21 times in 2020, and 13 times in 2019. He'd always been playing there at least a little bit. Specifically 2021, we saw him there 41 times. This season, it was one appearance in center and two appearances in right. So for whatever it's worth, he's not going to have the outfield eligibility. Still having... Uh, middle infield is really nice, and I wouldn't push him down so much because of it. I, I, I've talked about this a little bit recently that I think we might overvalue it a touch, depending on your format. I mean, some formats draft champions, uh, from what I've understood. I haven't played them, but eligibility is very important there. And I'm going to be playing, actually, in one. It'll be drafting next week, next Friday or Saturday when I'm out in Arizona for first pitch. We're gonna be, I'm going to be doing my first ever NFBC draft. I'm going to be talking about that. I'll do some live talk over on Twitter. I'm not sure who I'm going to be in the league with. I'm very excited, though. Uh, first Pitch Arizona, just to go on a little tangent there on the side, is going to be a week from today. I'll be I'll be there. Yeah, I'm going to be going down uh, next Wednesday, Wednesday evening, and then we're going to play a game of golf Thursday afternoon. Myself, uh, Casey Bubba, Ryan Bloomfield, uh, Dave Mendelson, uh, Eric Cross, Chris Clegg, uh, God, Jeff Erickson. I, there's going to be, I, I might have mentioned a name in there twice. I'm not even sure. There's going to be a lot of people. Uh, Chris Olson. There's going to be a lot of people who are going down there golfing. So um, there's that. And then there's the baseball and the social aspect. I think you can still book. So if you guys haven't, uh, you can still go out there to Arizona, see some Arizona Fall League, uh, talk with some of your podcasting people that you talk with on Twitter or people you listen to their shows. Anyway, free plug for First Pitch Arizona. That should be a hell of a lot of fun. But Tommy Edmond, um, I think. I think we're pretty safe picking them here just to conclude somewhere somewhere in probably around the 70-ish range. Losing that eligibility in the outfield for me is not going to be a huge factor. It's definitely something to consider, but it's not the biggest of deals. He could regain it uh, at some point next season as well. It wouldn't surprise me. Next up here, we have Xander Bogarts. He's probably a disappointment for you. I mean, considering where you drafted him, he likely was. He was going uh, over on the NFBC at pick 45 on average, and over on Yahoo was quite a bit higher at 28.9. He ended up finishing, according to Yahoo, as the 60th overall player, which isn't that bad. But his production wasn't that great, really. I mean, 84 runs, 15 homers, 73 RBIs, 8 steals, and, I mean, he batted 307. That was a really nice part of his game this season is that he batted over 300. It wasn't really a stellar season fantasy-wise. Despite finishing at 60, it was kind of boring. I mean, he still produced for you, um, but it, was, it wasn't it was really what you would have probably hoped for if you drafted him, specifically on Yahoo if you took him in the third round. Not really a banner season for him, or not really a banner season for you, most likely, depending on your other picks. A lot of what will determine his value for next season, I think, is where he signs. Does he go back to Boston? Will he go to another team? I mean, if if he stays with Boston, you have to assume Boston will probably bring some other pieces in there. I don't think they're just going to you know, keep what they've had going these last couple of years of him, Endeavors, and then essentially a lot of role players. I mean, no disrespect to J.D. Martinez and Alex Verdugo, but it hasn't been working. It's too crowded of a division for it to work on with those guys. They need to do more or they need to just rebuild. So maybe maybe they bring in some other pieces and give it a real honest try this year. 
I don't think they're going to do that. For some reason, I feel like they're probably going to rebuild, and it's going to be a bit of a tough year, specifically, I think, for Raphael Devers, who we talked about uh, a little bit yesterday. And I think that it'll, depending on what happens with Bogarts, if he resigns, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say right now exactly what to do with him. If he goes to, let's, let's just say, hypothetical world, Trey Turner does want to go back out east somewhere, and then Xander Bogarts goes to the Dodgers, then there is untold value there. It's 100 runs. It's 100 RBIs. He's going to bat roughly 300. Uh, it's it's it'd be a miracle. That would be a miracle for his fantasy value. That's like best case scenario. If he goes to uh, who else needs a shortstop? I don't know. That's not going to happen. But you know the Blue Jays. If the Blue Jays wanted to move uh, Boba Shed over to second base, which in the long run probably would be a wise decision, um, and bring in uh, Xander Bogarts to play shortstop, that would be a massive move for Xander's fantasy value. I really don't think it's going to happen. But any kind of move like that would be great for him if he stays in Boston. They have to bring in some other pieces for me to really be convinced that there can be much there in terms of the counting stats because this is a couple years in a row now of, I mean, last year wasn't bad for him. I mean, it was a little bit better, 23 homers, 79 ribbies, 90 runs, but just a little bit underwhelming as a whole for me. I think maybe we overestimated his fantasy abilities, um, partially because what we did with a lot of people in 2019 was we saw 33 homers, 117 ribbies, he batted 309. Uh, he could have made a fairly legitimate case for the MVP that season. He was probably not going to be Trout, and he wasn't going to be Bregman. But he had, I mean, he was a top five vote getter. He was somebody who potentially could have won it, and I think it's not really an accurate picture of what he does. 33 homers, 117 ribbies. I mean, the team was better back then. But I don't think he's going to be driving in 100 runs unless we see him go to the Dodgers or, I mean, you know, a team where it's not going to happen, but, you know, a team like the Mets or like the Blue Jays or like the Astros. That would be an ideal situation for his fantasy value. As of right now, it's kind of hard to say where I'd want to take him. I guess around where he finished this season, somewhere in that kind of general range, 60 to 70, will he still be available at that point? I don't know. And if he's not, I don't really care. If someone else wants to take him at that point in the fourth or fifth round, reach like if it's a 15-teamer, he's going 55, then he's going in the fourth round. You know That might be your second bat on your team. Maybe it's your first. You go three pitchers. You want to go pitching early, and then, I mean, there's so many strategies. Maybe he's your fourth batter. Maybe he's your first batter. But I don't really feel that comfortable taking him in the 50s. If he's in the six, late 60s, 70s kind of range, maybe even later. Like I, I don't feel great about him right now. And it's going to be kind of hard to tell until we know exactly what he's doing next season. Willie Adamas, he is the next guy we're going to talk about here. I mean, something changed when he went to Milwaukee. I don't think Tampa, it's the one time Tampa, I mean, Tampa always seems to know what they're doing, but it's the one time where it didn't seem like, I mean, they don't usually trade away a player and then this kind of thing happens. I think they got Drew Rasmussen in that trade. Uh, let me just take a look here. I can't remember exactly. Like, it wasn't like a bad trade for them. Uh, but usually when they trade a guy, it doesn't usually go the best for him. Uh, traded by Tampa with Trevor Richards to Milwaukee for J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen. Yeah, it's not like they lost the trade, but, I mean, Adamus really kind of blew up once he got to Milwaukee. Last year, he was pretty middling with Tampa for 41 games, and then he kind of blew up in those 99 with Milwaukee. This season, it was 139 games. He hit 31 homers and drove in 98. Like, that's incredible stuff for him. 83 runs. Uh, 238 batting average, which is not ideal. He batted 285 once he came to Milwaukee in the second half last year. 
but you're still going to be very, very happy with Willie Adamas. Uh, let's pull out his ADP number here. Uh, I was 160 over on Yahoo. Very low number there. Over on the NFBC, I bet it's a bit higher, but maybe not that much higher. 126. Still a value wherever you got him. He finished 63rd over on Yahoo. He missed 23 games still, so maybe he, I don't know, it's hard to project games missed, but maybe he can play a full 145, 150 kind of games and gets you even 35 home runs and 100 RBIs. Not something I really would have expected out of him, but this is where we are. Uh, I think he's locked down. I just want to make a double check on his contract here because I'm not really sure. It's still before we've really started to dive into contracts for the season, but I think he is still under contract. That is that is what I seem to remember. Oh, he's got arbitration for a couple of years. So, yeah, he'll be back with Milwaukee. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. He'll be back with Milwaukee, and I don't see any problem taking him. I mean, for sure he's not going to be as cheap as last year. Probably, I think he's going to be a top 100 pick. It'll be probably borderline top 100 pick. I don't know if people are going to project him that highly, but I think – Right now, that, that feels generally right. You're also getting a couple of stolen bases there. It's not a lot, but he gave you eight this season. Uh, last year, it was five. It's not a lot, but it's something. And Willie Adamas probably will be, I mean, we're not in the elite elite tier here with uh, shortstop anymore, but he's somebody who could potentially kind of enter into that grouping uh, nonetheless. One more guy we're going to talk about here, and I think it's because he is still in that elite tier. And, but he, he didn't finish above a couple other guys. But I think we're going to talk about him here, and then we'll wrap it up. Corey Seager. Corey Seager is definitely, for me, in that elite tier of shortstops. I think that, I mean, it's kind of crazy to me to think that he didn't stay in Los Angeles. That's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Corey Seager. Maybe they didn't give him enough money. I can't remember how those negotiations went down exactly, but you figure you're going to be... He went a World Series with the Dodgers. I believe he was the World Series MVP, NLCS MVP, and all that stuff. I, I think he was. Uh, let me see. World Series, World Series MVP, NLCS MVP. Yeah, a couple silver sluggers. It's kind of crazy to me that they let him go. I mean, even with Trey Turner, you figure those guys are just going to say the more the merrier. But he went to Texas, 33 homers, 83 ribbies, a 245 batting average, which is not what you would expect from Corey Seager for sure. I mean, you can probably expect something closer to 300 from the return into that kind of range next season. And I just, I know we're not really going so deep into advanced numbers right now, but let's pull up the BABIP. There, there you go, 242. <clears throat> his BABIP was 242 this season. So, I mean, he's been a 317 BABIP guy for his career. That should return somewhere close to normal. Uh, not really much question for me there with him. Uh, let's pull up the draft numbers here for Corey Seager. He was going fairly high. Uh, it was 69 over on Yahoo and on the NFBC. He was actually not going that high on the NFBC here. Uh, 79th. That's a little bit low. He was going below Javi Baez, below, uh, below Mondesi, below Wander Franco. He's for sure going to go ahead of those guys next year. I don't think that the number is so off somewhere in the 60, 70 kind of range, although I do think he might be able to push up. In some drafts, maybe he'll go in the 50 to 60 kind of range. I think I'll probably have him settling in at the 60, 65 number. It's not like it was egregiously low, but I think there's some room for him to go up. And especially if the batting average goes up for him, which is all but guaranteed, and he gives you similar stat line otherwise to what he's done this season and in the past, I think that the sky's the limit for him, honestly. He's not going to be a stolen base guy for you. Might be a couple here and there. 
but you're going to be getting a guy who's going to be 330 and 100 kind of guy, I think, for the next, hard to say how many years, five, six years at least, though, I think that you can rely on him to be a really solid power average contributor. And they're not, they, don't, they don't grow on trees, guys who can hit 30 home runs and also bat 300. Now, this season we saw kind of a, a bit of a change from the past. He'd never hit more than 26 homers, which was a few years back now. Granted, it's been a little while since he's actually played a full season. He's dealt with some health stuff. So maybe the average suffers a little bit with uh, the power coming in. But I think that overall, Corey Seager is still somebody who is going to be very much someone you can rely upon for fantasy next season. Guys, that's going to wrap it up. That's the elite tier for shortstops. I know we've already talked about some of these guys uh, over on the ranking shows and briefly a little bit here and there on the other position shows. Some of these guys do play a lot of different spots, and we're going to get into some more guys who are kind of all around the, the field kind of players, and sometimes we'll touch on them in a couple different shows. But that is the elite tier for shortstop. It's a, it's a position where, honestly, I could do like a week worth of shows probably. There are that many guys We'll probably end up doing three days. This is the kind of top tier. We'll do a middle round kind of guys on tomorrow's show. And then we'll carry it over to next week and we'll see. Maybe one maybe one more show next week, maybe two, uh, depending on how much we end up getting through tomorrow. But that will do it for us. Check me out over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB, and go check out SportsEthos.com for all the articles packages for fantasy wagering dfs there's so much stuff there free and on the subscription side guys we will see you again tomorrow and wrap up the week cheers everybody take care Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.